We want to thank our sponsors for making this podcast possible. Duke Walker of Movement Mortgage is a highly experienced loan officer. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer, a new agent, or a seasoned agent looking for a trustworthy and reliable lender to expand your network, Duke is your guy. He makes sure to touch base with his clients throughout the mortgage process and return calls, emails, and texts promptly. Duke knows what needs to happen to get your clients to the settlement table. Loan Officer Duke Walker, NMLS number 1022-556, Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179. For licensing information, please visit www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. More information about our sponsors can be found in our show notes. And of course, thank you to our listeners for giving us an audience. This is Keyed In with Max and Brent, unlocking the minds of the industry's top real estate professionals. And now, here are your hosts, Max Rabin and Brent Jackson. Welcome to the Keyed In Podcast. I am your host, Brent Jackson. And I'm Leslie Backoff. Leslie, how are things? I'm great. I'm excited to fill in for Max while he's in New York at Inman and know he's bringing a lot of knowledge back for the podcast. Yeah, so our next episode, we'll have an Inman roundtable. We'll have all the good, juicy details of what we've learned in Inman. I was up there for one day, but I'll save that for our next podcast. So with no delay, we have an amazing guest with us today. It is Mr. Tom Daly. Tom Daly is the immediate past president for the District of Columbia Association of Realtors, DCAR. Is mm-hmm. that correct, Tom? It is. You got it. And he's the national chairman of the NAR's Data Strategy Committee. He received his master's degree in real estate from Georgetown University. I want to know more about that. I'm fascinated about just furthering your education and getting your master's. Mm-hmm. A bachelor's degree from Boston College. He has the GRI the AHWD, which is at home with diversity certification, military relocation specialist. Tom is a real powerhouse in the industry, and we want to learn more about him from his eyes. So today with us is Tom Daly. Tom, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning. It's nice to be nice to be here. So I've been I've been I knew I've known about the podcast. I'm not I can't say I'm a, a devotee, but what? I've, I've seen, I know maybe this is it. But I'll circle back to that because this is exactly how our industry works. You know, people see things and don't get involved, and then all of a sudden there's a connection. So from yes. here. But I know a lot of the I went down the past episodes and did my uh, my research, so I know clearly the who's who that you've had before me. So I'm did glad you, a, you saved the best for last. Did you have a favorite <laughs> from the ones you've listened to? You know, I like. Well, you know what? I like the perspective. I like the the kind of the broad approach. And I'm I'm less of let's let's get the you know, let's get the guy or the gal or the team that sells, you know, fifty million and but I like the folks that have kind of a diverse background and have mm-hmm. something that they're kind of focused in on. So a my, true my, politician. Yeah. yeah. My uh, <laughs> dance around that my colleague Harrison Beecher obviously would be one of my favorites because he is just a superstar at every level. So he is is diverse in many in many ways, both with his his business, his niche of business, his his political involvement, his community but I just the guy I I don't know when these guys sleep. Plus he just they just had a baby last year, so yeah. It's impressive. And COVID really and you know, all that stuff. So all that good crazy. Stuff. So give us a little origin story of how you came to be, where you're from, how mm-hmm. you got into real estate. Mm-hmm. I am originally from the Boston Mass area, obviously the Boston, the Boston College connection. And I started my career in business. I was in the auto industry, so another very large industry on, on the aftermarket side of the business and was with that company for about twelve 12-ish years, public company, new technology, sales and marketing, and general management, and ended up in this particular region. So that's how I got to, to D.C. And a time came, I was you know a, a lot younger then, and just I was looking for something else to do. There was a transition, so I got out 
and took some I took some time off. I'm kind of old school, but you know, back in the day when you said you were a consultant, that meant you didn't have a job. <laughs> I, I was I was a consultant, but I was doing. We don't some know con- if it if it means that you have a job. I don't. Now. I know. I mean. It's just I, boy boy did uh, yeah, someone do a job on me. But that was kind of the deal. And you know, interesting enough, fell into another startup. The some gents found myself and my then business partner that were here, and this is. This was in 2000 and the one era where the the world was changing mm-hmm. quickly and what it was. My colleague was in high-end travel, so the world ceased to be what it, what it was. Anyways, we ended up hooking up with these two guys that we didn't really know. Well, I didn't know them at all. Anyways, they were starting, they had a startup, and the company was called HRN. Mm-hmm. And this is when... You know, this is the beginning of the dot com. This is the beginning of, you know, going online and researching stuff. You know, this was, you know, cell phones were kind of still a new technology. HRN morphed into hotels.com. And we were, believe it or not, we were the only two guys outside consultants for these guys. And we were doing strategic acquisitions and we were bouncing around the country and talking to, you know, big entities and anybody with eyeballs back in those days is what we were looking for. And we had a, we had a blast with those guys. Um, we interesting enough. Everybody thought we owned the company, and we would say, "Of course, we'd say, no, it, guys, we don't. The people, we don't own the company." They thought we were being, you know, shy, and it was like, "Nope." So, anyways, we became known as these two guys. We did that for a while. You I know, can picture you guys like Tommy Boy with Chris Farley, and David mean, Spade on the. Well, it wasn't. It was pretty close. So, and we were, you know, just independent guys doing this thing, and it was interesting to see how that worked. This was in back in those days. This, this business was all done by fax. So it wasn't like what Expedia is and all that stuff today. So it was fascinating how uh, how this all came together and they bought this dot com and then their business went crazy. And so, so what entities are you are you trying to get money to raise for the organization? Or are you pitching hotels to sign up yeah. for onto the website? The one deal that we brought to the table, and this was just just a number of connections and, and really just just happened, was Amtrak. Everybody in that business was looking to get Amtrak and connect with them because they wanted their eyeballs and they wanted anybody that was on those trains to say, you know, do you are you going to need somewhere to stay? So it was a natural connection. No one could get them. The chairman of the board happened to be the former governor of Massachusetts, Mike Dukakis. And I, it's simple as this. I happened to be with somebody and mentioned this and literally said, hold on a second, and picked the phone up. And we, we called the f- former governor and said, great, I'm going to a board meeting tomorrow. I'll bring it up. And, wow. And then the rest was... The rest was history. So we went from there. So that was, after that, I really, you know, that was my claim to fame and off we went. But this was a short-term gig. This was right. not, we weren't yeah. employees. But we had, we had a ball with it for a few years. And then we're doing some other stuff and kind of led me down the road into into real estate. Just met some other folks. Had no intention of going into the real estate world. But Brent, as you, you know, we I got into, I always liked the high-end stuff, the hotel stuff. You know, so we were kind of viewed as being in the hotel world because we were doing this hotels.com thing. Yeah. Met these two these two guys from the Carolinas and they were a sales and marketing firm mm-hmm. to to high-end builders and developers and primarily in Florida and the South. And they came in and they'd bring their teams in and they'd do everything from A to Z with selling these properties. We used to refer to it as selling dirt because there was nothing there. Back in those days, you had a, a, res- a reservation type business where you would make a reservation, say, I love this project. I'd like to own one of those units. I'm going to give you a five, I'm going to give you a deposit. Then we're going to go 5%, 10% as the buildings got built. So that's what we were doing. I in the Carolinas? It, they were based in Greenville, South Carolina, but okay. the projects were traditionally down in that vicinity in the Carolinas, but also in Florida. They did okay. a lot of stuff at, outside Orlando back in those days. Oh, wow. But these guys were expanding, and I ended up 
you know, they made me an offer. We danced for a while, but I ended up, they ended up saying, listen, pack for a month. We're going to put you somewhere. I ended up in Miami. And that's um, fun, town. Yeah. So I was doing, it was fun. It was crazy. I couldn't do it again. We, I wouldn't do it again. And I was, you know, I was a lot younger. Ended up Miami. We had a project in South of Fifth and we had a project in West Palm Beach and Hollywood. Two of them were Trump licensees uh, properties when, you know, Trump's name really had a lot of value to it. And I think, frankly, he was a, a different kind of guy. He was a business guy, not, you know, what, what he is today or what we see. Right. So that's, that was the beginning. And then again, what was your project? Guess what? South the world of, changed again. <laughs> what was your project south of Fifth? Just curious. It was a Viceroy Hotel project. So it was a. They, these were all hotel residence properties. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So then you're in Florida. How do you get to DC? So the the market changed again. So okay. it was you know 2007, 2006, 2007. We knew things were changing. A lot of the a lot of this big money came from New York. And we were, we, you could feel that they were, people were pulling back and the, the big bonuses were being pulled back. Okay. So we weren't, we weren't seeing as much then. And I didn't want to get stuck in Florida. I wasn't a big fan. I it was great, but we were, we did a lot of entertaining and it was yeah. just day after day after day. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but it just. It, it wears on you. It's, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. And we're sales guys, we're salespeople. So right. it was, we weren't closing sales. We were doing a lot of entertaining mm -hmm. and not closing sales, but I worked for, um, the, the developer that we represented was the related group, George Perez, and couldn't work for a better company. And he he was phenomenal and just a real, you know, just a visionary. Related. Yeah. And he was great. And he was very hands on. Mm -hmm. And he's just a, he was an interesting, interesting guy. And we met with him all the time. And uh, he was hands on then. He's not so much now. His son is is more so there. But we, we did those projects and inevitably things kind of went a different path. So I said, let me get back to Washington, D.C. So I came back to D.C. and then was working projects in the Caribbean and all the way up to Nantucket, the white elephant condos, residences in Nantucket. Cool. For the same company? For same, related? Yeah, but no, for the they were for the same sales and marketing company called IMI. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you'll remember when we first, uh, when I first came to TTR Sotheby's, we did a, I did a, I hosted a cocktail party in New York at the, at the penthouse above Bergdorf Goodman on Fifth Avenue. That. Yes. Yeah. Those were, those were our offices there. So we were That's very, awesome. very high end. Yeah. One, you know, that one percentile business of selling lifestyle. So. So when did you make this switch and why into real estate? <laughs> that, well, the, the, the move was predicated on the economy. Sure. And I was we were I was consulting and bouncing around, and again, it was it, not a bad lifestyle. But you know, when you're running down to the Caribbean, you know, on your on your own and working and doing, it's you know, it's one thing when you go down with your friends and you're staying at you know these beautiful resorts, and you're entertaining. It's another thing to be working and you know to be somewhat cogent, and uh, and go, not that there wasn't a glass of wine in my hand most of the time, but it just it, it got a little old. People were clearly yeah. the market was changing, so it. It, I looked at the residential real estate as something that I would do in the interim. And let me get my license. Let me do. I was dealing mostly with licensed real estate agents when we did these projects, so I thought it would be something good to have. And didn't didn't know we were still sliding down the hill. And that really, I got into it yeah. obviously full time. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like I'm thinking back, like you got into it because the market changed, and I'm like, well, that's like a brand new agent getting in the industry last fall. It's like the market's mm -hmm. crashed, and you're like, well, that's a great place to go. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly how you look at it. Is one of friends' client who lives up the street. He goes, let me get this right, Tom. <laughs> The market is on his ass, and you are getting in. And you know, and I said, yeah, well, you know, this it can't go can't go any farther down. So I guess yeah. it's only upside from here. So you you were forced to to really kind of I was forced to really learn the fundamentals sure. and understand what you had to what you had to do to 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 make a to make a sale, make, get a client, and go from here. So it wasn't getting in the the reverse. Obviously, isn't it? it was twenty. 
2020, 2021, 2022, where, you know, you, all you have to do is pick the low-hanging fruit and, hey, I'm selling houses and yeah. I'm very successful. Well, great. But that's not, that really isn't the business. Right. That's when, I mean, exactly. That's when I started was in, in 2020. And so it's definitely been an interesting shift over yeah. the past, you know, mm -hmm. two years. But yeah. yeah. I would have taken it. I mean, exactly. I'd yeah. much preferred if I right. could go back. So what was one of your first deals that you can remember? And, you know, how did you get that when the market is basically crashing? You know, it just, you had a, well, the, the, in the first year or so, it was because it was tough was, you know, I wasn't convinced I wanted to do residential. And you're, mm -hmm. there's no way to do this unless it's 24-7. You right. you're, you're either in it or you're not in it. And I was not in it till I got in it. And I, I think I, I kind of you know caught it through some good friends that I don't know how serious he is about this. And of course, that was enough of a slap in the face for me to say, well, maybe, you know, maybe I need to take a look here. And am, yeah. I, am I doing this or am I waiting to do something else? So it, it clicked. I started to get better at this thing and more serious about it and went from there. And then, um, you know, the nature of this thing, you guys know it well. It's, it's not, you know, you can, you can go out and hunt for these connections and these relationships and this and that. But when, you, when you're authentic and you're consistent, a lot of times the business will kind of come to you mm -hmm. and you'll get the, the phone call or someone will say, hey, you should do this or, hey, there's, this is coming up and this and that. And that's really when it kind of got fun because people, it, it wasn't so much, you know, me just out hawking and annoying people, but more so people understanding that I was a resource and, and go from there. And, you know, like anybody would, I'd go after anything. Three hundred thousand dollar condo. I still. I mean, I'm doing that today. I'm happy to talk to somebody. That's not how I average out, but that's. Yeah. I'll, you know, three hundred leads to six hundred leads to nine hundred leads to, to this stuff. And, over and when time. you first got in, just remind our listeners and myself, but you started right with Tut Taylor Rink and yep. Sotheby's International Realty. Yeah, got it. it was you? one of those things. I got I got signed up. I didn't even know I got signed up, but I got signed up because I was in a, I met with Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> Most everybody, I'm assuming everybody listening knows who JT is, was in his pool. And he said, yeah, come, you know, you should try it. Come to a sales meeting. I go to the sales meeting and Michael Rankin walks in and says, yeah, no, we're not, you can't, you're either with us or you, we're not bringing people in for the sales meeting. Yeah. So you, are you in or are you out? And I said, well, I guess I'm in. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome. There it is. So, I mean, let me tell you, get put, I mean, talk about getting pushed into the pool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and there, and, the and there, and there we go. Head first. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a good mix. And mm -hmm. you know, we were small. Christ, we were only 50, 50 agents back in those, in those days. We were small. I remember going back to your, when you got into the industry. So I got into like 2005 or six, the market's crazy. And I was coming from New York city down to Northern Virginia got my real estate license again, market's crazy. And then it shifted when I moved into Washington, DC, we moved mm -hmm. to Calorama Triangle and the market crashed. Mm -hmm. But to me, to your point earlier, that's when you really learn the basics of the business. You have agents, lenders, title companies, appraisers, home inspectors getting out. So you really have to hone in on your skills. So it makes you just a better agent, which is what I've seen today. It's, mm -hmm. you know, good habits have lasted a long time, mm -hmm. so to speak. But I don't know where I was going with that question. No. But, that's, but there's that's a, a there obviously there. I know, I know, I think I know where you. But there's a balance. I mean, we were we were classically trained and yes. classically only, and that we were there at the last you know, bubble, bubble break. And obviously we're in one now. It's been a long time coming. And if you look at, from an association standpoint, if you start to look at, you know, who's in this business, we're, we're still an enormous size trade association across the country, but here locally, we, we, and I'm sure you guys do this at, at Sotheby's on sales meetings or on, on, on annual meetings, look at, look at who the, who the mem who are our agents. And same thing we do with Keller Williams, my firm is that we look at what's, you know, how long have these folks been here? And mm -hmm. you'll find a majority of them are new to the business, less than five years and have no idea what we're talking about. 
I mean, they do, but they don't really, they've not been there. There's no appreciation. It's just, it's, it's just, it's just hearsay on what we're doing. So, you know, we're at least a little bit more prepared for this. If in fact, we have to go back to that, to that, to that degree. But, you know, it's one of those things. Some would say, well, you guys are too old school and then others are more easily to adapt to this business. Now, who's, I think we both, I would, I'd bet pretty good money on both horses that we probably both the new ones and the old ones end up at the at the when the race goes off that we'll probably both do well but I think you got to look at you know this historically this business the real estate industry goes up and goes down and you know a little bit of a a, a student of history of the of the real estate market it's not day to day it's not month to month it's not you know year to year it's there's this is very typical that we go through these types of changes every so often so right. if you kind of embrace it it's not a bad time. I'm sure. I, I mean, I'm sure you guys are not. You're not overly nervous about. Oh my God, what are we going to do? But I would imagine that there's a lot of agents that have only been around for three or five years mm -hmm. are going. What in the world is going on? And what should I be doing? For sure. That's a great point. I mean, I think the one thing I always tell people: you can't teach drive and determination. It doesn't matter what industry, if you're in sports or whatnot. But you can't teach someone to get up and go do their job. In good markets and in bad markets, agents will leave the business just because they can't swim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. They, they can't find a deal. They don't know how to make a deal work. They can't put the deal together. They can't keep the deal together. So it doesn't matter if it's a good market or bad market. But the one thing is like drive and determination. Mm -hmm. You can't teach ambition. Mm -hmm. Right. So I mean, that's that's what's the the men from the women, the boys from the girls, or whatever you want to say, they're politically correct. Mm -hmm. I was going <laughs> to you said it, not me. Folks, remember. Yes. I think it's interesting. I mean, being one of those agents that is under five years in the business, I mean, I think it's, for, for me, I've seen so many people that have come in, you know, around the same time. I came from the hospitality industry, mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of us, because of the pandemic in 2020, you know, had to make a shift, and a lot of people did go into real estate because that was what was booming, and, you know, I'm very lucky that I was connected to Rob and Brent and you know have these mentors that have a lot of experience in the business but i've seen other you know similar colleagues that have now gotten out and have gone back to hospitality cuz they mm -hmm. can you know get a job there now but it's it, you know it is just it's super interesting of like you know they were all gun ho and super excited and now it's like well you know you they didn't have that ability to to keep it going mhm mm so. Yeah, this is a, this is for me this is a this is the time you check. Mm -hmm. The check for me came in in August, last August, knowing that here we go. This is yeah. it. And we've been talking about this for how many years that this is going to yeah. be it. We thought it was we thought it was in March of 2020. We thought, yeah. "Oh, here it is." And it turned out to be the complete opposite of what we all thought. But in August we started to get, everybody was away and mm -hmm. the jo the joke was, I mean all around the country, everybody's joking. Everybody's in Europe. And everybody seemed to be away. It was, they did, it was, yeah. I was here, but everybody seemed Looking to be. Looking at social media, yeah. everyone went somewhere. I, yeah. <laughs> I, the sense, my sense was that, and I, you know, I was, I was correct. So my change was September. So what are we doing? This is probably going to slow down. And then what happened the first week of September? Obviously, interest rates yeah. jumped at an extraordinary level. But you know, here it comes. And yeah. you know, it's it's been four months now, and it seems like it's been you know ten days. So here we are. Yeah. And then but, what do you do? I mean, it's interesting because I think. And again, coming from Edmund, we'll save this for a different day, but that was the consensus across the board on all industries. It doesn't matter if it was a, an attorney up there speaking, a lender, agents across the board. But they essentially, many of them said you had a buyer strike in the fall. Mm -hmm. Everybody, Labor Day hit and everything just stopped. I mean, you had agents in our own sphere here, multi-million dollar, $100 million plus agents, and they're talking about like a $10,000 a month rental at the Ritz-Carlton, yeah. right? I mean, that's what it came down to. Mm -hmm. But, you know, early on, 
the spring, I call spring starting like right after MLK Day weekend, it's been robust, right? Rates mm-hmm. have gone from seven back down to mid fives or sixes, depending on which lender you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And there's still a shortage of inventory. So across the board, all price points, all sub markets, we're in multiple offers again. Mm-hmm. Will yeah. that last? Nobody knows. But as of right now, current snapshot is market's hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's exactly, you said the, the right word, snapshot. So we've seen, we've seen this, pa- I'm going to be overly pessimistic. And if it continues, fantastic. But, you know, keep, I would keep doing what I'm doing and we're, it's only January, mm-hmm. you know, so, and it's, you know, February comes next. And so there, we got a, a little bit of time before the spring comes and what happens is something else. So now is not the time to say, oh, that was easy. We're here. here we go again. Right. And right. things are going up. If it is fantastic, we'll all be that much more prepared, you know, to go from here. So I'm going to be, as an old man, I'm going to be a little bit more, <laughs> you know, as, as pragmatic as possible. We can't, right. and let's say, you know, whatever. I mean, we we all do this. Nobody likes January in, in the sales business. We all reset our clocks. So sure. now's now's the time, and it's a good, you know, it's a good time to reset the clock and get going and, and see what the next the next challenge is. So yeah, Leslie mentioned a mentor. Did you have a mentor when you were? coming up through the ranks? I mean, no. I mean, you know, Michael Rankin was, it was, is pretty black and white with, you know, advice. So Michael was pretty easy to go to and just, you know, yeah. what, how he operated. And we, Michael and I have the same, we have the same accounting firm and his, his, the, the accountant said to me one day, he goes, you know, Tom, Michael's a, a 20 year overnight success. And that was Michael's thing is everybody's assume, you know, Michael's uh, is number one, number two, number three, number four consistently, but he's been doing this for 30 years. Yeah. And, you know, that always resonated with me. And, and that's always the misnomer is it, you know, that men and women in this business that are successful just somehow are, you know, a gift, are overly gifted. Yeah, he's overly gifted. He's been, he's been learning his trade for that much. So there's a reason why he does that well. So Michael was always very black and white back in the day and usually one word, two word answers, no was no. a lot of times was <laughs> tell your client no and call me back if you need if you need me and then you know John Mashi who was around in those days and John was one of the more successful guys back when when we started I think John's still in the in, in the business mm-hmm. but you know been around so I think he's a little lighter load these days I'm assuming but you know he had he was very, he was very curated in how he did what he did and what he what he wanted to attract and he did it very well so Everybody had their kind of niche that they that they did, but you know, John was always on a very very well educated, been around a long time, but always had kind of a very laid back kind of way he did things, which it was a great parallel to what we were selling, which was luxury real estate. So I would tell you, those are the two that would kind of yeah. pop. But I didn't do, you know, I was never a, a, I've never been on a team. I've always been independent. I've never done, you know, a specific coach or trainer or, or you know, paid coach or trainer and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a little bit different in that. So I don't, I don't know that there's, we tend, this industry tends to be, you know, you have to do this because everybody else is doing this. And, you know, you, I think you really have to, you have to be at a certain point where you do I need that or or don't right. don't don't, yeah. don't 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 need this or uh, from there. But you you know we didn't have teams back in the day. That's a new phenomena. And we interviewed Mandy and David, and that was like to me. I told them that's like one of the first mega teams that mm-hmm. I remember coming through the ranks was mm-hmm. like Mandy and David. I think that was around uh, maybe two thousand and ten ish. And then teams yeah. like just totally took off. Yeah. Well, then you. I mean, if I guess if you go back just for to be specific, I think they were just partnerships where you would have two, right. two or yeah. three great salespeople, and they had assistance in this and that. And then the word team came up, and then obviously it's it's 
to a point where the industry, we had to adapt the industry from an association standpoint to kind of designate what's what's a team for obviously licensing reasons. And so there's really where that word came from. But, you know, teams were not around 15 years ago. They were maybe, in the, I would say somewhere between five and eight years ago, this word teams really become more prevalent. And you still have partnerships where you have, you know, two people, three people working together and that's and that's it. To me, it's a way to, again, we thought about this like a long time ago. I got my associate broker license, but, you know, starting your own firm, it's a possibility, but it's like, there's a lot of headache and financial responsibility with that. So teams and groups, it's a way to have a mini brokerage underneath a larger umbrella, whether it's Caldwell Banker, Keller Williams, Sotheby's, Mm -hmm. Washington Fine Properties, Compass, what have you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, it's in, it's, now you have so many different brokerages. There just weren't that many brokerages back in you know 15 years ago. We've, I mean, Compass is really kind of the the phenomenal example of someone coming in out of nowhere, and obviously was told, no, 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 you cannot do this. And wow, what what a spectacular job they've they've done. They've done everything they've set out to do, and nothing nothing is guaranteed. So I mean, I'm one of the <laughs> one of the few, even though I work for a competing brand, one of the few that you know will congratulate them when the conversation gets into oh that brand. Well, mm-hmm. you know, great, you can pick anybody apart if you want to, but they they did exactly what they said they would do, and so be it. So in their competition, I mean, you can't in this market, you cannot you you can't you can't say that they're not. Some, some a firm to have to reckon with. Yeah. So totally you started with Tut Taylor Rankin, and you're now with Keller Williams. Mm-hmm. In between there, you've been with other firms, nope. and just nope. two, just two. Okay, two. yeah. Every so, you know, every ten to twelve years, I like to switch over. So. Excellent. Right. <laughs> so, so when is, uh, I won't so tell you. My, I'm not going to tell anybody the age. What I mean, if you, <laughs> yes. yeah, you can. But anyways, Breaking yeah. Every news. you know, every twelve years, I like to switch it up. <laughs> Got it. So we're here with Tom Daly with Keller Williams. He is our guest today, and we're going to pivot here and go into your. Um, political career here in mm-hmm. real estate because it's it's very vast it's very long so so you were the gcar president gcar president mm-hmm. early on like how did you get into that role why did you get into that role and then you've kind of morphed after that you didn't just stop after your mm-hmm. presidency you went on to other organizations and mm-hmm. became leader in those as well yeah it i ended up getting involved with the with the association so the local association is gcar not to be confused with the state association which is dcar and i'm sure everybody listening is hanging at the edge of their seat going oh to tell us more tom but it's <laughs> it's very simple if you just think from from a from a political level as we have you know we have local governments state governments and federal so it's that kind of we have a three-tiered type of system locals association local associations specifically are the toolbox and kind of do all the fun things for membership i think think like a, a golf membership if in fact you you live in that world or understand it but you know they do all the fun stuff with that from the food to the to the to the pros and all that that's what the local does and then the state is an is an advocacy group, so they're the political arm of this thing, and they they they're watching all the licensing and all the political stuff, and make sure that our lobbying, so that you know property taxes don't get tripled every year, and and uh, we don't you know there's not mansion taxes and all that stuff. So that's what a state does, and again, we, there's only X amount of states in the country, Washington D.C. being deemed as a state for National Association of of Realtors. So that's our job on that level and then federally we look at they look at federal candidates and support them at, the, at that level so we've covered a lot of we cover a lot of bases and each, everybody has their their different job i got involved soon after i joined the firm on the education committee and i the only reason i did that was i happened i was coming fresh out of the real estate program at georgetown and i thought well this is the only thing i can add is that i have you know i'm not going to get 
I can't get involved in anything else because I don't have any qualifications. So I got involved with that, and you know there was lots of opportunities, and I looked at it as a as a new person, and I'm, I wasn't you know I wasn't a newbie in in life and a business. So I got involved with that, and then very quickly distinguished myself as someone that probably could add a little bit more to it, and that's really how it start. I started to move up and get get recognized, and then start doing different playing different roles within the organization, and then over a seven year period ro- rose to the to the president. And then when I was done there, I went over to the state and did the same thing, being involved in it, but more so on leadership. And here we are, some 10 years, 10 or 11 years later. So the the education part, so that's a appointed position or volunteer? Volunteer. Yeah, okay. everything's volunteer. No, none, none of these members get paid for stuff. On a, on a leadership level, obviously, some expenses and stuff are paid for travel and stuff like that on, on, on very specific occasions. But this is not a moneymaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of time spent. And you know, occasionally, if there's, if there's something specific that takes you way outside of your, your realm, uh, then the, the association and or the national association pays for that type of yeah. stuff. But this, yeah, this is, not, this is not black limousines and five-star hotels. Curious, you, I mean, like thinking about like the presidential election that's coming up next year. Do you have like your stamp? Like this is what I did when I was my time at the G car. Like I got this moved or this mm-hmm. put in place. And on the opposite side, man, I really like I should have done this better to move this mm-hmm. initiative further along. Yeah, I mean, always you always look at you know if I could do it over again. I tend to be one of the more passionate and take this very seriously. And anybody that's uh, that's worked with me that happens to be listening will say I know exactly what he's talking about. But I'm you know we were elected to do something and we're we take a, a, an oath to do what we're doing and we're representing you know in Washington D.C. I represent 3,300 realtors in. And at GCAR, I was representing some 13,000 realtors. And I, you know, I take that seriously. I don't, I don't phone it in. We are, I, my belief is that I need to know exact everything about the role that I'm, that I'm in. And um, I think I did a, a pretty good job at that. My fingerprints are over, a, I have been on and, and will be on a lot of the, the regulations, the, the, the laws, the decisions, the committees that each one of these organizations has put forth. So we go from there. But I think, you know, it's, it's you got to part of the the way we do this as a membership organization and given that we we continue to change and we continue to evolve we're all you know we're all living it's it's never going to be static so we always have to bring new folks in and diverse opinions and diverse experiences so we always have to so the, the challenge with any national association of realtors group is you know no one to leave you know, and, and take the mm-hmm. cue and don't be there forever and that's always been kind of an issue and you know you can't help but thank the people that are volunteering and giving their time. But at the same point, Tom Daly needs to go and he needs to, you know, sunset, go in the back of the room and you can, I can still have a, be influential or, you know, certainly pick up the phone if I have to or, or take a call. But, you know, that's the nature of how our organization gets stronger and stronger. It's when we get complacent that the organization becomes ineffective. And that's just natural with any organization is you're going to have highs and lows. As a younger person in the industry, what is, you know, how do you get involved? What are some of the, you know, thoughts to then, you know, work up to a leadership position? Yeah. A lot of them are, a number of the committees on the local side are, can be a little wonky in that, you know, it's professional standards, which we're required to do. Obviously, we self-police ourselves, Mm -hmm. professional standards, education, communications, YPN, which is a, just a more of a network, a networking group, public policy. There are, you know, there are different committees based upon where you may may have some some interest but these are these are where decisions are getting made and then t- typically from those committees people step up to a the board of directors and then and then and then leadership then the so the president always comes from the board of directors yeah. cool. okay yeah 
generally. And you know, if there's always a there's always a, hopefully a, le- a level of continuity. So mm-hmm. we don't we're very succe- we're very successful in our region versus other regions in the country where by the time you get to the president's role, you've you've worked your way through being secretary, a president elect president and then you're going to be around for one more year on the executive. So you've you've got a pretty good knowledge base, but also the continuity between the the person behind you, the person in front of you, but working together so that it's not I want to, you know, we want it the room blue this year and next year we want it black and then following year we want it pink. <laughs> There's some continuity of let's improve, let's look for other ways to get more of our members involved. And that's the biggest challenge is getting mm-hmm. our members to get involved and you know, you know, Tom's doing it, I don't need to be involved. Well, yeah, I mean, yes and no, but we'd like members to get involved. It's your organization. You pay a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a lot of and there's you know, the biggest part is there's a lot there's a lot at stake. Right. What's the biggest initiative you've worked on for for GCAR? A number that is always expanding participation and getting more people getting uh, more, more people, people involved. You know, we set in place the um, the, the membership awards recognition. Which you know there are a lot of outside organizations today, still today, but they were recognizing how great you guys, you know, any member, well, any member a realtor was, and I always thought it was funny, and the board always thought it was a little funny, odd, whatever you, however you want to deem it, that why is the Washingtonian recognizing and telling us that these are these are very successful members in this and that? We just didn't have that kind of a category or recognition for it, and there's a little bit of, there's a little rationale behind it, but it just made a little sense that, you know, to bring people in, there's a lot of people that just want that praise and recognition. They may not want to get involved in an education committee, so that was something we, we initiated. We, we've certainly gotten more involved politically. And our the, the realtor party investments that we solicit from our members has has increased, and we've become very powerful both locally and on a state level with this thing. Particularly on a state, we're it's just we're we're an incredible trade association here. Probably the, we are told that we are the most effective and the most powerful trade association in Washington D.C. And that would be our. Our comparables would be the restaurant association, the the DC chamber, the hospitals, the universities. You know, all of those organizations, the DCBIA, AOBA. You know, it's a good, it's a tight group, probably twenty ish of the top trade associations that we're involved with, and we are the most organized, the best funded. We've got the most boots on the ground, and we've been doing this for a while, so we're very, very effective. Which what that means for Joe or Jane Realtor is all goes without saying that we're going to make sure we're going to try as best we can to not see increases in areas that we don't need increases in. Particularly mm-hmm. now, we do not need to see property taxes go crazy because the city wants to cover something or we don't want to see you know a mansion tax, which we just had in the last 18 months or so, which we put the we helped put the kibosh on because we responded very well, which takes, you can't just you know, you got to have that to be able to respond very yeah. quickly. But there's, and we, uh, the, obviously there were some new, newly elected members to the city council here and also in Montgomery County that we are on the front lines of working with these members so that we are at the table. And that's always, at the end of the day, we need to be at the table and we can't, we can't be effective from outside the room. And we've got, we only get better and better. We've got very, very strong relationships, relationships with these, with these council folks and, you know, no, no uh, rubber stamps on either side, but we're there and we have, you know, we could, we, we, we can battle out what we have to, and we hopefully come to good resolutions, and we win a lot, and we lose a lot. That's Very awesome. simple. It's impressive. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's a full-time, 40-plus-hour-a-week job. I mean, can you tell us, like, how many hours a day or a week you're putting into this? Probably too much, but I, I, I just, it just, I think I'm an, a unique in that it just, for me, it it's, comes naturally, and it just flows in there. It's that, I remember one sales 
tape or some tape, probably tape back in the day, video that I watched was the the old the old like trick of in front of the audience they have two they have three canisters one is a, a bunch of gigantic rocks the rest of it's a bunch of little rocks and you got to get them all into the third one sure and how do you do it it goes yeah. back and forth and everybody's scratching their head well you know it's get the big things in there and pour the rock, the little ones in everything and da da that's how you how you do it so to me that's kind of how i do it so i do all of this stuff kind of 24 24 7 and i just fill in with stuff so there's there's always a an, a text or an email or a phone call or something that i do i don't wait to do it on Fridays. Mm-hmm. It's all just constantly going, and that's probably just longevity experience and this and that, and have been pretty effective. And I'm very straightforward, so it's there's no nuance to make, probably a little too straightforward. Are you still selling real estate? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, still got a, a, a successful practice going in this. You know, it does, every presidential year, it does get, a, you know, this is the only the second one and probably the last one. You, you do get a little distracted, and mm-hmm. the only know, I only know that at the end of the year. So a little bit. I mean, I was probably off by maybe 10% this past year, which wasn't too bad from where I am. But part of the, for me, I, it's it's important for me to also be in a, a, a successful, effective real estate agent as well, to be able to say that, you know, you can do it all. I know how to, I know, you know, I know how to do a transaction. I'm doing transactions. I'm, I'm doing a, a much, much higher than what the average is here and there. So I like to walk the walk and, you know, and chew gum at the same time and, and, and do it all as well. And I'm, you know, again, I'm a, one guy doing my business, but, and I, if you, in every, any scenario, whether it's a, a, a single operator or a team of two or a team of 50, you know, let's divide here. What's mm-hmm. what's the one guy doing or the one gal doing? What are the two people doing? Or what is what's what's the hundred million dollar team doing with twenty people? So let's average it out a little bit. It's it's very simplistic, but at the same point, you know, to be able to say I'm doing you know twelve to twenty million on my own. If everybody did tell 12 to 20, 10 to twenty million every year, there'd be a lot of hap- a lot more happy yeah. people out there, and consistently, not you know one year. Do you use your you know? your association background to help you to get clients? How does that sure. work when you, you yeah. know, are in a listing presentation? Or intimidate other agents? Like, listen, yeah, exactly. I'm the president of <laughs> XYZ. Yeah, Sign the deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's what's what's your niche and yeah. what's, you know, we're, obviously luxury is one of them. But also, I mean, I, I know how the sausage is made. I think there's always a connection there. It's, you know, I'm not as pretty as some of them are. I'm not as successful as some of them are. I don't, you know, who knows? I don't drive the, the fanciest of car like some of them do. My focus is on, you know, obviously having a, a good dollar business, but also mm-hmm. knowing how the entirety of the system works. And I'm a, I'm a big believer that the, um, you know, finding the house and, and making the offer is, is, is pretty good. And if you get it accepted, it's all the other stuff that goes along with it from the negotiations, but also the, the devil's in the details. And kind of aside from the last couple of years, obviously, you know, give up everything and put a high price, you know, great. But those days are clearly waning and or way behind us. So, you know, the I run into folks all the time that don't, they, you know, they don't, they couldn't walk you through a paper, a paper contract. Their assistant doesn't. And they wouldn't know the nuance of here and there. And what, what's, what's the difference between these contingencies and those contingencies? And why is this better? And who's the agent on the other side? And, you know, we're coming back to, we're going to come back to that, to, to kind of that world very, very quickly where, you know, it's nice to know who, you know, I know Brent, he's on the other side of the transaction and I'm going to come and I think mine's a strong offer, but be nice that he knows who this person is right. on the other side and vice versa. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit again, as we said, you have your master's degree um, mm-hmm. at, from Georgetown University. I do. Tell us a little bit more about that. What, why do you decide to pursue a master's? Yeah. I, so when, 
it, it's all timing. When I got involved in the in the in the business in 08, there I didn't have there wasn't a lot going on, and I didn't have a lot to do. And you know, I was a classically trained salesperson, so I, I knew how to do that. But I also had lots and lots of friends that were residential real estate folks, and I knew I needed something to differentiate myself from all the others. And this, I was reading the Washington Post, an actual newspaper, and there was Georgetown University was starting the first their first inaugural year of a master's in, in real estate. Okay. I was literally across the street where I had where I grabbed the coffee before coming here. <laughs> was there, saw the ad. Um, the the dean's phone number was there. I called the dean. He said, "Meet me for coffee." I was I put my application in and was accepted. There was fifty of us originally for the for the first class on this stuff. But I I thought you know what, having a master's in real estate when I walk in, you know, Brent and I walked in to a listing appointment. I got my business background, but it's not in real estate. But right. it's I've got a I've got a master's in in real estate, and I understand the industry, and I and I can I can certainly tell a pretty good pretty good story and I have a, a little different angle than, you know, I'm selling a lot of houses. Right. And obviously, where were we? We were down at the, at the bottom of the the barrel here and what was going to happen. And I was, you know, again, the, the, the history of where the industry goes. So I thought, you know, one, I have the time. Two, this sounds kind of cool. Obviously, graduating from another Jesuit university, I thought, oh, this is nice to have as well at Georgetown. You know, so in in I went and uh, I did it, you know, as a uh, night night program. Okay. And it was great. And met, it's interesting to see my classmates and where they are or across the board. In other firms that you work with or not there wasn't there wasn't many residential okay. folks there. There was there I mean there was if we had 50 there was probably 10 if there were 50, but okay. it was more it was a little bit more prevalent on the commercial side. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these folks have gone on to, you know, big jobs and great jobs and all kinds of different areas. So some, you know, some are developers, others are in capital markets, others are, you know, continue to in the residential side. So and then the program, of course, has taken off. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was the reason I liked it, other than it being down the road, was there wasn't in the country, there wasn't really an international real estate program. USC was the prevalent one. Cornell was the other one. My dean came from Cornell. But those were the two big ones. So he said, let's position this thing as the international real estate program and blah, blah, blah. And it went you know, synonymous with Georgetown. And mm -hmm. there was also another little cheat that everybody thought that this was part of the McDonough School. The, the master's was part of the McDonough School, which it was not, and it is not. But so you kind of get that extra, you sure. got that extra little credit in there yeah. when you told people you went to Georgetown. They're like, oh, wow, that's uh, pretty good. Right. A so good name to have we didn't, You know, we didn't, <laughs> the old John Kerry line, when I, I didn't, I never told them that I was Irish. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, just on a, like on a macro level, like what are you learning in the masters of real estate class? I mean, how to build houses or numbers or how to sell real estate? I mean, because you just mentioned across all walks of life, there's different people graduating. Like, what are mm -hmm. you learning on the back end of that? You know, big fundamental blocks. The first class you have to take is ethics. Oh wow! And you remember when I started this in 2008, and Too Big to Fail was the first book that we read, and. You know, that was where we started. And obviously, the basis of, of a Jesuit education, this was fundamental. And this is really where most, a lot of corporations were just implementing ethics because they didn't have ethics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, look where we look where we got to. So that was number one. You had to get through that before you went on to other things. And then you go into some basic fundamentals with sales and marketing. Um, there was a lot of finance, basic finance. And then there were other ones from, you know, workout classes. And then there were kind of, there were hotel development courses. But, you know, there were some other on top of that. But you got your your fundamentals in kind of the ethics, the history, the sales and marketing, and then the financial side, which, you know, you got through it. I mean, some, I'm better at the 
marketing and hotel side. Although interesting enough, that was my worst grade. I did I excelled <laughs> at everything else, and somehow I got dinged on. Because uh, you knew on, too much. Yeah, in I, it's it's a weird thing. I don't know. Much, no, but yeah. it, I, it's still. And I had. A, I was. Trust me, when you know, for those well that are of of my era. When you undergrad was a lot different a mindset, and when graduate you come back to it, and I it was like a job. Mm-hmm. So it was not oh I'll just cruise by. It was oh I'm, if I'm going to do this, but it's weird that that was the only class that I kind of got a ding. And interesting enough, I remember the project that I got I thought was a, a great one was you had to pick a it was you had to pick a a project somewhere in Washington D.C. and come up with a whole business plan and idea. So cool. pick anywhere in this that you think this is how we'd redevelop it and this is what we do. So I, I, I had a we were working in groups and mine was, well, let's take the Walter Reed project and let's take Georgetown University Hospital, get them to move the hospital because it was too small and you, we know what's now almost finalized there. Take that hospital, use that as a base up there because they were, they, there was talk that they were going to close it and there was that debate that was going on for many years. Do that and then redevelop the whole area and do affordable, do artists, do all of this stuff. And the professor thought it was a dumb idea. Lo and behold, <laughs> what's happening at, at you know at both right. Georgetown University yeah. Hospital has built this monstrosity, and then Walter mm-hmm. Reed has been completely redeveloped and has a lot of those elements, with the exception Funny. of a of a hospital. So, have I guess, you called up that professor and said, "Ha ha"? I, no. I have not. No, interesting <laughs> enough, they were. I know who they are, but yeah, they were. <laughs> one was a city planner for Arlington County, and the other one was a commercial real estate guy who's still one of the best in the business, but was a. Weirdly enough, didn't want to. He, this guy was so old school, didn't want to give his secrets away. Hmm. So kind of dialed it in, and I'm like, "Are you kidding? This, it's it's kind of like Wait, why are you not a professor? Tell, yeah, if you were if you were yeah. a physical trainer, like saying to somebody, right. sorry, I can't possibly tell you how to lift weight, right? Because you're going to figure it out and you're going to look better than I do. And I just thought it was the funniest thing, right? But still around, still very successful. So I wonder if somebody in your class is in one of those projects, right? Like someone took that information and now they're working for hmm? someone. Yeah. Like a little seed, like you planted a seed yeah. and they graduated from the program. They went on to work for XYZ company and like they kind of spearheaded the whole thing based off of your yeah. planting. I, I, I wouldn't, you know, listen, timing's everything. I mean, everybody, you know, it's the, yeah, there's, I mean, there's some, there's some old jokes there, but you know, timing is you see it and you just, you move on, you don't do it. And, and large scale or small scale, I would, I would think that, you know, you get people are thinking about what's next and this and that. And I'm sure you guys do it like everybody on, on the listening does, you know, what's the next thing? What, what's the next thing? But, you know, you can't, you got to make sure we got to, you got to be balanced in the, I have to be balanced in approach that I'm doing what I have to do right now, which is the basics. I hate it. I'm not, it's not fun to do open houses. It's not fun to have to, you know, manage your, your sphere and your, you know, your, your database and do all this stuff. But, you know, guess what? It's January in 2023 and we got to go back to the basics to make sure that we've got the core and the fundamentals there. And lo and behold, you'll see what, you know, what happens as we go forward. But we've, we've all got, I've gotten lazy. We've all gotten lazy because it was easy. So here we go again. So we'll wrap up here. I just have one final question. I don't know if you have another question, Leslie. No. Do you have, uh, what's next for Tom in like mm-hmm. the political world? So you, you're finishing up your, I think your president, uh, past president, uh, D-Car. <laughs> You know, I've joked with Harrison on this show before, ANC, mayor, something else in real estate. What's the next step for you? I'll, I'll, I will continue to be politically involved with the association because it's 
the bang for the buck is there with where we're involved. And one of the, one of the things I'll go on to do as a past president is that we have our pack or realtor pack for the for the nerds listening. Obviously, is the investment that we solicit from our members. It's it nothing to do with our dues. So we pay our dues. We get this. All the political influence and all the political money we raise comes from additional investments by people like you, but people like me, which goes on to be able to do the lobbying efforts and the issues efforts that we do from there. So as a as a former president, I will I would be I will go on to becoming a trustee. So the money that we have on in, in election cycles, we will decide where that money goes. We will interview those those folks and make some of the big decisions there. Obviously, I, I will continue the relationships with these folks from the you know from the mayor's office, who I've gotten to know her better from Kenyon McDuffie and Brooke Pinto and all the and even you know and you know even council people that maybe I don't see eye to eye with. You know, we know each other and we're in the room and da 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 da. They know me, I know them. Da da da. Continue to do that thing because I'm obviously a taxpayer and I'm in the I'm in these in these wards. So we'll continue to do that. I will I get this for free doing the RPAC stuff and we'll try to stay engaged. I have to stay engaged because I can't just walk into a meeting and say, oh let's give it to this one if I don't kind of know I should do your research. Yeah I gotta be a little responsible. And then I'm I, uh, doing a lot on the national I will do more on the national level. So take my knowledge of local and state and, and you know perhaps be at, at the highest levels to be able to funnel that back out to other areas in the region, meaning other states, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware and and West Virginia, and you know, continue to you know raise money. Last year we had a great year. We raised as a national association, we raised just over fifty million dollars for, for political wow. countries. It is amazing, and a lot of that money comes in and goes out. A lot of that is goes goes back to even states. We're a very small state compared to obviously. California or Maryland or Virginia. We work hand in hand with the national association to do things way above our pay grade. And very much the the case with Kenyon McDuffie that, you know, it's a crazy story of he was disqualified, then he decides to run, then he gets into a race and he's kind of the dark horse and then pulls this thing out by the seat of his pants. We were highly involved. The association was highly involved with that and probably the most involved behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, the realtors showed that they can show up, that we can invest in efforts. And that's not just dropping money in the in the in the purse. That's putting money behind efforts to make sure that we deli- they deliver, we deliver on votes type of thing. So our the influence and in the in, in our reputation as an association is very, very high. Now we gotta obviously old Janet Jackson line, we gotta continue to do that and we've got to continue to be very aware of what we're we're doing. And we need our members to continue to support. And I I can't do it forever. So, I, I mean, I do contribute a lot, know, but we need to yeah. find new <laughs> members to do this stuff and, you know, and help us and go. We're doing fine. But at the same point, we need to, uh, we, we always need folks to be curious and to, you know, to, to get more involved because I'm probably a little tainted at this point in that I've been doing it for so long. So somebody else will come in and go, oh, you're missing, you're, you're completely missing this, this, this element. Well, I appreciate all your hard work and the efforts on that front because I know uh, you're, you're, you're out there every day pounding the street making sure that our job mm-hmm. is like easier, mm-hmm. making sure Definitely. that we're not uh, Trying. getting in trouble there. Is there anything else you wanted to cover, anything else you wanted to address before we go into rapid fire? No, just, I mean, I would tell everybody, get involved, be curious. It's, you know, I know it's kind of nerdy. But you know we're make you know you could be the one making decisions and making the direction and this and that. It's easy to you know sit on the couch, but that's you know in the t- in the time and the era we're in, it's easy to sit and fl- flick the you know the computer on or the TV. But get involved and do it. It's it's you know you you got to show up is is a lot of it. So I just yeah. I would tell you take my job if you're interested. I'm always happy to take a take a call or bring you to something or walk you in. So it's good stuff. So please take my job. So we're going here into rapid fire. Oh, Leslie, did you do the word association today? I can 
rattle off. I five. can rattle off okay. some words if you'd like. I'll do the, I'll do the rapid fire <laughs> while you think of five okay. quick words there. So rapid fire, five easy questions, whatever comes to your mind first. What is your food kryptonite? Pizza. Pizza. Monday like night pizza. pizza. Everybody knows that it's Monday night is pizza. From where? Uh, I won't even tell you. It's a, a national brand, and it's it's almost embarrassing, but it's just one of the. It is a Pizza guilty. Hut? It is a guilty pleasure. Domino's? Yes, it is. I will not. I won't disclose. I'm not going to do a free advertisement for. Have that. you tried but, a bocce up there? It's a. I do. Pizza. I li- I like the, their lasagna actually, the frozen lasagna, which you know people will think you've been cooking all day, but it's easy. It's frozen. You stick it in, and you got it comes it's out. It's fabulous. Yeah. It's a complete mess up there because it's in a, a little, it's an Italian deli, yeah. and they have that scroll. So if you order a pizza, she writes it down on the scroll, and you go in there, and it's a complete mess. Mm-hmm. One of the best pizzas I've ever had. Okay. It's, it's wild. Yeah. It's in Cleveland Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right there in the little, yeah, it's great. It's best kept secret. <laughs> Your favorite vacation? Um, I would say in in the Caribbean, so I would say um, Harbor Island in the Bahamas is a, is a great one that we've been kind of, we're going to the last number of years. Even though that's, I mean, that's technically not the deep Caribbean, but. Who would play you in a movie? Uh, probably Liza Min. <laughs> Love that. Is that a famous? Brent, if, yeah. if uh, like, yeah, we need, we need, the, we need, we need video here because Brent just, I just, Brent just, just went blank on that one. Yeah. That's, a, that's a, that's a joke. <laughs> Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise? Who would you rather have coffee with? I think Hanks because I think, you know, Cruise is, you know, the guy, I mean, the guy's, Get, he's, I mean, he's beautiful. He's, he seems to always, he's from the, from the get go, I think, you know, our culture is if you're, you're that good looking, you get an extra pass. I think Hanks is a guy that was a, was a nerd. And if you remember when he first started acting on, I think it was Bosom Buddies was his first, but here's a guy that has morphed into more characters, even though I didn't like his portrayal in the Elvis movie, which I just saw mm-hmm. last week. But I think, I just think it would be interesting to see how he's I just love to hear his story and the amount of thought that goes into it where yeah. I think Cruz just has to show up do yeah. his hair and you know he's a good actor but maybe Tom Cruise is your lookalike okay oh uh, thank you what Th- about thank Tom God Hanks- you didn't say Mitt Romney <laughs> Yo, Mitt Romney too mm-hmm. what about uh, Tom Hanks's most recent movie I think it's like something about Otto oh, it's a yeah. good movie Oh no! I'm Older not... gentleman, depressed, wife died I don't want to give out all the spoilers oh, but it's, okay. it's good well, that sounds yeah. uplifting check it out last question here who is your favorite all-time politician? I would say I would say Jack Kemp. Now I have to remind a lot of people, but I'm, I'm I got involved with Jack back in the mid '80s and in 1986 when he was running for president. And talk about a guy that was ahead of his time, a true conservative. His 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 big claim to fame was well, he always talked about the gold standard, but nobody got that. But empowerment zones, and you know, for a conservative white guy from Buffalo, former former quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, this guy got it. He was it wasn't just about the money. He was always about less government and this and that. But the empowerment zone issue was fantastic. You'll hear Democrats and Republicans to this day talk about 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 Kemp and his his very simplistic and kind of suggestions about how to govern and how to how to how to motivate and how to increase wealth. In, in these communities. And I think God, God, he died too young, but back, you know, if he were around today, he'd be, I think he'd, he'd probably be at a, you know, probably a highly respected politician at, at some role, but he was just probably a little ahead of his time back in, back in the day. Awesome. Interesting. All right. So I'll give you a word and you have to say the first thing that comes to mind. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> All right. Market. Uh, Washington, D.C. D.C. P- uh, power. Podcast. I want to say, I, I don't have a one word, but yeah. I, I've, it can be a sentence. A, a new appreciation. Right. And last one is neighborhood. Wesley Heights. I mean, that's 
I, that's that's where I, I hail. Awesome. Tom, it's been a pleasure having you out on the show today. Love your energy, your passion for politics and getting all of us agents to a higher level on that front. Thanks for coming out to the show. We're going to give a donation to a charity of your choice. Is there someone you want to give a shout out to? Do I have to answer right now? You can get back to us. Just let us know. Probably, you know what? It'll probably be like Horton's Kids or Friendship Place or, okay. you know, one of those. And, Great. and you know, one of, probably one of the charities that the associations has been highly involved with. But yeah. Awesome. Thanks again for coming out. It's been My a pleasure. pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. This is great. Thanks for listening to Keyed In with your hosts, Max and Brent, unlocking the minds of the industry's top real estate professionals. For more information on selling your home, find us online at keyedinpodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Keyed In on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at keyedinpodcast, at Max, and at Brent E. Jackson. And follow Max on TikTok at Maxwell Rabin underscore properties. Oh, oh, oh.